You don't know what you don't know. Mm, very wise. Uh, be open to anything that comes your way. Mm. Stick to your, I do need to have some data and clarity on that before I want to make a choice. <laughs> and trust your gut instincts. You're listening to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard. Here's your host, Tabitha Bright. Hello and welcome to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard, where I get to speak to property investors from around Australia about their investing journey. My name's Tabitha Bright and I'm the head of coaching here at Positive Real Estate, where we help people build wealth through property. With over 8,000 clients across Australia and New Zealand, there are some incredible stories to tell, which hopefully make your investing journey that little bit easier and will inspire you along the way. So my guest today is Shay Witten, uh, and we discuss love and marriage, navigating those relationships and investing, the tools you need for success, and finally, how important your choices are. Enjoy this conversation with Shay. All right. Well, we've got a bit of a special one today. We have uh, Shay Witten. So you're going to see me interview not only Jason, Sam, and now we have Shay, who is a bit more behind the scenes than maybe Jason or Sam. Um, but she's the third owner of the um, of the big group of companies that makes up Positive Real Estate Group. Uh, and, you know, one of the original founders alongside Jason and Sam um, for the positive real estate that you guys know, uh, she's married to Jason, um, which makes her extra special. <laughs> and, um, and if I can say this, Shay, you're the, well, I don't really like grouping you like this, but you're the Navy amongst a couple of pirates, really. Um, and so let's talk about that a little bit. So Shay, awesome to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Tab. Yes, uh, I, I do remember an event we held for the team where we actually had pirate hats and navy hats. Uh, we, we, got, we got everyone to divide themselves up into pirates and, uh, and navy. And uh, Yes, definitely squarely in the navy camp. Um, but, you know, as everyone likes a little bit of good pirates of the Caribbean movie, we like the Navy, but we also like a little bit of pirates. So maybe that's why Jason and I are so good together. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want two pirates together necessarily. Oh, they no. Be a bit of a bit of a disaster. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your background because, um, you know, we've heard a lot of Jason's stories over the years about where he started, how he got to where he was, your guys' trip to the outback and all of that. Yeah. Um, but we don't know a lot about you. So tell us a little bit about you because you, we joke about you being the brains of the operation. As much as the guys are, you know, amazing in their spaces, you really are you have a, a technical ability with the processes and operations of this business um, that is fundamental to the business performing and being able to look after and, and um, you know, coach so many clients through property investing. And someone listening to this might go, I'm, I'm wanting to hear about property. But 
property is part of creating wealth. And why we've got Shay here today is to talk around if you, you know, you can't only have a business. If you've got a business, you've got to do something with that. Um, yeah. with what the business generates. You've got to put that into property as one aspect. Um, so we're here to talk about the whole thing about building wealth and, and how you um, keep it and the lessons learned along the way. So tell us tell us a bit about your background. Well, I suppose, um, you know, something that might be relevant to, to the, the listeners of the podcast is that mm. I grew up with my parents renovating and my you know, even my grandma would always be renovating something. So I feel like houses definitely were in, in our blood. Uh, and I think probably the most significant renovation happened around that 80s time where interest rates were crazy, right? There were that 17, 18, 19, 20%. And um, my dad lived in Sydney and his partner, Sharon, they, they could afford those interest rates, but they bought an investment property actually up around Kingscliff um, in northern New South Wales. So they did that. Mum and Steve um, were, you know, not the TV producer and the secondary school book publisher living in Sydney on their very executive wages. Uh, Mum was actually working uh, as an actress at a theatre restaurant when theatre restaurants were still, still a thing. And Steve was at university and he would, on his uni holidays, go barramundi fishing for the three-month break of holidays up at at Wyndham. And so they had this really gig economy, intermittent income, which, as you can imagine, in the 80s was not something that was conducive to getting a loan ever. And they thought that if they didn't get into the housing market, it was never going to happen. So, you know, bad situation good was that my parents, um, my grandparents had sold their property in Mount Lawley in Western Australia and they'd moved then to Bayswater, which was kind of like, going down in scale in suburbs, but they had all this money. And so they actually then lent it to mum and Steve to buy this run-down weatherboard cottage in Bassendine in, in WA, in Perth, where I grew up, for them to renovate and make some money on. So they had a really low interest rate. Mum was really good with the numbers and the banking. We had like the purse money for petrol and for food and she'd pay Nan back and she kept all of, all of it there. But I think... I think the interest rate they got maybe was like 5% or 10% or something. It was crazy. It was small. Um, but I lived through that renovation of, you know, the taking the back half of the house off and picking the wallpapers and going to the demolition yards and getting the jar of floorboards and doing all of that. But we managed to sell it then within seven years, which was the old cycle, and yeah. it doubled in price. Um, so then we got to move to a another um another suburb which was closer to my stepdad's job. He'd graduated by then. And for those people who know Perth very well, he actually worked at Atlantis, which was the marine theme park in Perth. And he was a marine biologist and we were closer to there. So we moved to Edgewater, which is a little bit closer. And then they ended up selling that after a year and we they moved to Yanship where they still own a property up there. Um, and I went to university. So I think that's my first like property stuff that really happened uh and uh but I I you know my first part of the navy was I ended up at the University of Western Australia and sort of left home uh and I started my degree doing microbiology and molecular biology I was gonna say Um, that's where the marine biology kind of yeah comes in yeah my stepdad was very influential in picking what I wanted to do and um 
I was actually six months from finishing my degree and thought, I think I've done the wrong degree. I don't want to be a lab technician. I don't know what I want to do. Um, you know, there weren't a lot of jobs around at the time. You know, it was that time where it was, you know, late, late 80s, yeah. early 90s. There was a big yeah. unemployment rate. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm never going to make any yeah. money. I remember, you know, and those people who know Perth well, where University of Western Australia campus is, it's right near like quite ritzy suburbs. And I remember walking around, looking at all these houses and thinking about my friends who were doing medicine or dentistry or law or these other things. I'm doing a Bachelor of Science and I'm thinking, how do these people get these houses in these big suburbs? Like, how do you get these jobs where you earn so much money you can afford to buy them? Not in my wildest dreams did I even think that you started a business. There was no, you yeah. know, nothing in my world that said you started a business. Like, I had none of that. It was, you know, go to school, get good grades, go to university, and that's your ticket out of, you know, living yeah. in the big economy, get a, yeah. get a good job. Yeah. Um. So, you know, then comes Jason and a few of you have heard that, heard that story. So we actually met at the Pierce Air Force Base in Perth and uh, he, was, he was behind the bar. Well, it's PG, so we won't go into, into anything else. But that was, um, that's going to be 30 years ago this year, actually, that we, that we met. So weird, right? That's 30 years. Nuts. That's nuts. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of, you know, how he and I met. But yeah, property yeah. was something that my family actually did and his didn't, right? So Jason lived in the same house that his dad built for forever. Then his dad kind of went and built another little bit of a house in charters, but that was it. I was always moving houses and renovating houses and renting, you know, houses with parents. I think I added it up that by the time I was like 32, I think it lived in 32 different places or something crazy like that. So wow. my family were like perpetual movers, renovators. So I feel like I actually brought the property stuff to Jason from sort of an understanding yeah, of like, I do maybe, not know that. Maybe this is a vehicle that can make you some money if you get a property. So that's kind of where that influence came from, really, I think. I will claim that. He'll say different, but that's what I find. <laughs> Well, he's not being interviewed right now. So That's right. <laughs> exactly. We can exactly. say whatever we like. We can. We can say whatever we want. So, yeah, so that's kind of how how we, I sort of property has always been in my mind, but I then had this degree thing. and and But I'd kind of decided I didn't want to do this science degree and I'd worked in retail. So it took me a few years of sort of mucking around different jobs to work out I actually liked marketing. Uh, and I had a fantastic mentor in one of my marketing jobs, a gentleman called Graham McConaughey, who actually owned the Lilo brand, which many people will be aware of. His dad owned the brand Coty, which was a cosmetic, an old cosmetic brand. Uh, but I was the international marketing manager for Zog Swimming Goggles, uh, which people will know of, and right. sort of had that career. So pretty much then that's where I learned about business because I was Graham's, started off as his personal assistant, which he said I was the worst personal assistant he'd ever had in his life, um, which I said, thank you. 
uh, I'm really happy for that because I would have left year 10, uh, school at year 10 and done typing if I wanted to be a personal assistant. Um, yep. He said, you're a very good international marketing manager. And I was like, great, I will take that. Thank you. But he was doing trademarks. He was doing shares. He had multiple businesses, you know, in Cook Islands and Hong Kong and England and all around the world. And I was sort of, you know, learning all about that with him. And we, you know, as Jason sort of has probably said in his story, we had some dear friends who we, who when I left that job, we ended up living with them and they actually, you know, Justin ran an Opal business. And so we sort of got to see what it was like having a business of your own. And we're like, maybe we can do this. And, and they actually introduced us to Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because ah. his, wife, his wife, Ruth, who's really my best friend from high school, um, her boss... Uh, was part of that Tony Robbins world. And so she actually then was introducing the cash flow game to her and the business. And so they bought it and came home and we started playing cash flow with them. And weirdly, Jason won. He beat everyone. And every time we've played, I don't, I think in the whole time we've played cash flow, I have never beaten Jason once. He always wins. He always beat everyone. And he was like, wow, okay, maybe there's something in this cash flow thing and property thing and then the rest of the story that story everyone knows um but it came about in the starting of that real estate business was because I had the business background and Jason had the time so we thought well he's going to go out he's going to learn about the property he's going to do that I know how to set up some business stuff now from Graham I can kind of get all that running and then we can have kids and I can have the kids at work with me and they'll just sleep under the table and it'll <laughs> be easy. I can work whenever I want and it'll just all be, you know, that fantasy we all have before we have children of what, like, you know, working with what it might look like. Yeah. What it would look like, which it doesn't look like at all, right? It doesn't look anything like that. Um, and that's kind of how it how it got started is that, Jason could leave his his job and I had the really high-paying executive job that would fund us until, you know, things were sort of evened out and I could have the kids and he could sort of take over. That's how it sort of started from there. Interesting. And so, um, I mean, obviously you guys invest, so, you know, you invest in property, um, you invest in your business, um, and I know you also... um, do um, some stuff with other businesses as well where, yes, you know, do. you, yeah. Yep, I do um, some coaching with some other businesses, yes. Yeah, yeah. So you guys um, are phenomenal with the amount of stuff that you've got going on at any given time. So for people that are keen, you know, they may have careers at the moment that they're juggling and they can't see the gap. They can't see how they're going to extricate themselves from the day-to-day grind, the rat race, as Kiyosaki calls it, yeah. um, to to move into this. They may believe they're entrepreneurial or, like, the thought of being entrepreneurial. Like, oh, I always joke to me, entrepreneur is a swear word to me. <laughs> I just go, <laughs> if someone tells me I'm an entrepreneur, I'm like, fuck it all. Because <laughs> the, the ability for an, a true entrepreneur to cause absolute chaos can be phenomenal. Yes. Yes, well, I suppose about that. Yeah, so so there's a couple of parts to that, and I think you and I were chatting about this before. In (laughs) in the positive group, Jason is the entrepreneur. So it doesn't matter what business you give him or any business, he could start it up and run it. He would work it out. 
he would happily yeah, start. Very creative. Yep. He's very creative like that, but he, mm-hmm. he actually does it. His passion is teaching. And yeah, so yeah. we can see that and what, what he does. So, you know, even when he's doing his Facebook lives daily or people ask him to talk on stage, yeah. it's never ever from a place of ego. It's always from a, how do I impart knowledge? And that's yeah, always yeah. who he is. Um, you know, Sam is very much that artist. He loves property and everything about property. I'm always amazed, you know, even to this day, 20 years on, how much he knows and how much new stuff he's talking about. I love it. I love it. Like he'll talk and I'm like, great. And so people ask me, you know, what about property stuff? And I'm like, well, I'm, I can I can tell you Sam said blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but if you want to ask me about marketing, I can. We I can all do that. We all do that. Um, but I think, you know, there's a couple of pivotal pivotal things here around a mindset shift. So, you know, it really is around surrounding yourself around people who you want to learn from. So, you know, we talk about, you know, who's your friend group, where are you hanging out, where are your mentors? You know, we talked about Ruth and Justin. They were hanging out with people who were, you know, business owners. And and so we were in that environment. So we got exposed to something different. Mm. So number one thing is you have to put yourself in an environment maybe that's unusual to you, where you feel uncomfortable, but where you could learn from people who are doing it. So that mentoring space. Um, I I think too, you know, it's, it's being able to decide to take a risk and what's a calculated risk for you. So, and then maybe hopefully having a win at it. You know, mm. I think deciding to live on the houseboat, not to rent in Sydney, was really left to field. And I wouldn't have thought to do that. Like, that's a Jason, like, entrepreneurial, let's live on a boat. That'll yeah. save us a heap of money. But it did allow us to buy our first investment property, which was my thinking, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, to get us on the, on the ladder. So it's something very left of centre. And I think sometimes... You need a little bit of left of centre thinking um, to take that take that risk. That said, we didn't have any kids. We were still really young. So if we lost stuff, it wasn't that much money and we could kind of make it back. So I also think too then you've really got to have uh, kind of a what's good about this mindset. Um, you know, one of our dear friends, Scott and Karina Harris, you know, Karina will always say, even when it's a terrible situation, well, what's good about this is it's it's that framework in your mind of saying, okay, I'm taking the lesson from this, but how can I turn it into something good or how can I turn it into a lesson? Because, yep. you know, thinking back to that comment I had before about, you know, my university degree, I can't work any harder to make this money. Yes, I can go and get more educated. I can go and get a a master's, a PhD, doctorate. I can go and do an MBA. It's going to cost me more money to make more money. Um, But sometimes that's not enough. You know, can you save yourself rich? Well, no, but you do have to kind of go without some stuff to get there. So I think, you know, we, you know, we had the houseboat and then Jason was at Knox, so we got to live for free in a festy stable place that you know we managed to save all our money we did our budget and realized you know we were before smashed avocado was a thing we were living a little bit of the smashed avocado life right because we had two really good incomes and we could just live happily and then we were like oh we probably need to 
save our money. So I, yeah. I think if you're in that job and you, it's like your career, everyone talks about the side hustle. It's kind of, it's almost like it's just this left of centre thinking, like what other stuff could I do yeah. that might not be one thing to kind of leapfrog myself there a little bit faster. So, yes, it's like, you know, not eating Uber Eats so much and, and you know, going and shopping at Aldi and, you know, making stuff at home and taking your lunch, like that can do so much. But you still want to live. Yeah. But yeah. is there something else you can do? Like do you want to sell doTERRA? Do you want to do Amway? Do you want to sell this? Is there some other side hustle thing that maybe you like or is there a skill that you have? Can you can you do something on the side? Yeah. But is there something even more dramatic than that? You know, lots of people will go back and live with their parents yeah. Um, yeah. or share housing with a lot of people. Like sometimes to get that thing, which is maybe, you know, in this instance, talk about that first investment property, mm-hmm. you kind of have to go sideways to go forwards, I think oh. is probably my yeah. takeaway yeah. from no, that. I'd agree. And you said you touched on when you start a business or when you've got a business that you take risk and risk is something that, you know, we talk about with our clients. Um, I have a lot of conversations about mitigating risk. There you go. I got it. Um, and understanding your risk and being comfortable that you've got a plan B, C, D, E. Yeah. You can still have, all the things in the world mapped out and planned out and the universe just decides to, you know, <laughs> yeah, that happens. a card. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know any successful business person that hasn't had at some point in time a, a challenge. Yeah. So for you guys, because, you know, you do, you've got multiple businesses, you've got your own portfolio, you've got stuff going on, you've got charities and other stuff that you're involved with you I mean it's massive right sounds um, funny when you put it like that but yeah <laughs> I don't think of it that way but yeah yeah and I am I'm highlighting it because um not just to you know blow hot air at you but what is normal for you is not necessarily normal for everybody else yeah. and and it's all relative but then then we bring in, and I'm going to throw you a curveball here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we, bring, <laughs> we bring in love and marriage. Yes. So you guys work together. Yeah. You, you <laughs> have had businesses and all the ups and downs are going yep. with businesses. Three and kids. Yeah. Yeah. Three kids. You've got family that live with you, which we'll I touch know. on in a moment. Daughter-in-law in the world. Yep. <laughs> So how how do you even begin to navigate that? Like what is in what I'm interested in for our clients is what is in here? Like what do you tell yourself daily? What is it that you think has enabled you where other people maybe see things differently or don't have some resource that you guys have? Like what is it that makes you guys different that has allowed you to succeed and and grow like you have? Yeah, I think... If I really put it down to it, I think that Jason and I have always had a value around personal growth. Yeah. And yep. and we've always both done that. Now, we haven't necessarily done it concurrently, and I think that's where it's where you have friction and challenges in a marriage. Yeah. 
which is kind of normal after 30 years. Right? 100%. You know, we grew up together. That's what I kind of say happened. So, so I yeah. think... I think recognize like personal growth. So we were always growing, learning, growing, learning, growing, learning. Mm -hmm. I think then recognizing that um, we needed to communicate across that and discuss our personal growth goals or where we were wanting to grow, where where we saw our personal deficits as being and what we had to do. So even though we might have been growing like this, we're always able to kind of like parallel it up and and not see it as growing apart, but running on this, you know, Mario Kart, you can pick all the different racetracks, right? If you're not careful in a marriage, you can be choosing two different racetracks. So you're not even on the same racetrack. Whereas what Jason and I consciously have done is made sure we might be in different cars. We might have different engines and things going on at the time, but we're still on the same racetrack. So sometimes someone will lap you. At certain times, you know, Jason might have been growing much more than me in business because I'm being more at home with the kids and being a mum and -hmm. having some growth and experiences there. You know, we've got a little more in the spectrum or those sorts of things. But but you then have to make the time to communicate that. Um, And I think... The biggest thing around that, though, is that communication is imperfect and it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's never a set and forget thing. Um, so, you know, yeah. I can't, there was something Jason told me the other day and we've been together 30 years and I was like, I never knew that about you. I was like, wow, really? That's what, that's what the thing was. I said, I never knew that. I never knew you did that that many years ago and you thought that way. Um, so I think it's just it's it's that that common values, communication, and just knowing that it's imperfect and you have to keep giving it a go yeah. to work out what the other person's saying, right? Because yeah. Jason, even though everyone sees him speak, I think he's a terrible communicator <laughs> sometimes, oh, right? <laughs> At the risk of my own career trajectory. <laughs> it's going to be a CLM if you say it. A yeah, this is a, <laughs> no, it's not. It's I not. do find sometimes he has something in his head and yes. he's 10 steps ahead and he thinks that you're yes. with him. Yes. Yeah. And it just takes a minute to. Well, yeah. I would. Yeah. So, so he is, he is 10 steps ahead a lot of the time. Mm. And then what's interesting is like, my brain will also be 10 steps ahead, but I would how I would communicate it would not be how he'd communicate it. So often I'll be sitting there going, come on, like just hurry up and get to the point because I'm or, my brain's already where it is, but he's thinking he has to tell me everything. To explain it and do To explain that. it. I'm like, please, you're killing me here. Just can we hurry up and get on with it? Um, so, you know, maybe I'm, he's a bit impatient. I'm a bit impatient too. So I think... You know, I mean, it sounds really trite to say communication, but it's it really is, and you've just got to work at it constantly and mm. re-clarify, especially yeah. as you grow up together. Like if I think of who I was when I first met Jason, Very and then, you know, when we yeah, got married yeah. and then when we had kids and then, you know, then we have another little boys on the spectrum and, mm. you know, then you layer all that on the different stages of experience in the business. Yeah. It's a small pet business. It's a big business. You're in and out having babies. Like, 
all those different versions of ourselves, we've just yeah. had to make sure that we've communicated along the way. Yeah, um, yeah. Overarching that, though, we've always had a plan yeah. of, like, this is what success looks like for us. And I'm going to stop at, you there. Yeah. Stop, you're right there. That is a really important comment. So, um, guys, I just want you to pay attention to this. This is what success looks like for them, which may be very different. And even though this may sound really obvious, it will be very different for you. So when people say, you know, like, do you consider yourself successful? The most successful people in the world will say no sometimes. And you're like, how can they not? So you have to map out what is successful for you. What does it look like? And how will you know when you get there? Because otherwise you're endlessly chasing stuff. So And I know you guys, I've, when ever since I've known you, you've always made time, no matter what's happening, no matter what's going down, to go away for a weekend or a chunk of time and we know that you're not contactable and you guys are mapping out stuff for yourselves yes. and for the greater businesses. You've yeah. always done that religiously. Mm. And, and I think, too, it's, it's to not get caught up in other people's version of what yeah. success looks like. And, I, and yeah. a great example that just, you know, when you brought that up and it's, it's good that you mm. brought it up is, you know, we had a young, a young team and we've got a few young team coming on board and uh, we, they were talking about their goals, you know, what do they want to do? And they said, I want to be rich. And I'm like, okay, great, which is normally what you say when you're young. Like, you're like I've just done my parents in yeah, there. Hey, money, I want to be rich. And I actually said to this person, um, do you think Jason and I are rich? And they went, hmm, I don't know. And and I said, right, okay, what, what's your definition then? Yeah. And, and I said, you know, because my young kid, and I won't tell you what they said because I don't want to betray yeah. their confidence and stuff yeah. like that, but it was really interesting because we didn't look like he thought Rich looked. Looked like. Right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, this has probably been positive philosophy from the beginning is that we just want to look normal. You know, mm. we, we're not, you know, we've got some very nice cars, but we're not going to put the cars in our ads. We're not mm. going to put the jets in our ads because you know we don't have any jets and I wouldn't want it's a waste of money or boats right <laughs> I, mean, I didn't not... know you had a jet <laughs> I don't have a jet don't have a jet it's probably in someone's toy box somewhere in the house I'm sure I've got one somewhere but but you know like the fast cars the jets yeah. the boats the lifestyle you know whatever yeah. design. like and I've got beautiful designer shoes and I've got all that stuff but that's that's not my everyday mm. and and I think that once once you work out as a young person, it's not about the stuff and that money really just gives you choices from your portfolio and those sorts of things. Then it's about what are you choosing to do with it? So for this person, they're like, well, you don't look like that. And I said, mm-hmm. okay. You know, and they said, well, then, then their question was, how many properties do you have? And I said, why does it matter? Because I could have lots and they could be useless, right? So we then got into a conversation about, you know, work it out. Like, and I know that the coaches and everyone does that here. But everyone's look of what success looks like doesn't have the same number on it. And 
And it also doesn't have the same vehicles. And, you know, when I talk about either business or shares or property or wherever they are, but mostly it doesn't actually have the same heart and reason behind it. And I think that that's the thing with Jason and I, you know, like personal growth in there, family is very important to us um, and being able to look after them into the future, um, you know, and and being able to have choices. That's that's kind of what it's been for for us to feel like there's, you know, for us, success is having, you know, stability and security. And if we, we can still keep the lifestyle that we want to have, Yep. without having to work if we didn't want to. We'd still like yep. working and doing stuff, but that, that's what it looks like. So it has a number. You can work it out. Yep. Um, yep. But, yeah, that's. Yeah. And that's what the coaches do with the clients, right? They talk about their goals, they drill down into them, and then they help clients put a number on it. Because for you guys, sometimes that's you change, could- though, Tab, and that's the thing that I think people forget is that absolutely that has changed so much over time you know your, if you ask your goals, my goals you mean 100% yeah because yep. where you start out like you know okay our first thing was like right get an invest get a property okay we got yep. a property tick done okay what now now you've done that you know what next yep. um you know what does that look like and then yep. you add in the factors of life kids family you know I know he's you know some stories of people divorced you know sickness all that stuff all the things that you know marriages engagements babies grandkids all all that stuff happens along the way and every time you have one of those significant events you have a reset which is kind of why you said like we always take time off to go what's what's the theme or the thing for this year like what are we doing yeah. and the what a big great problems, question what's the yeah. theme for this year what's the theme for this year <laughs> you know, what are we what do we want to what do we want to do and we'll put the big rocks in first which is usually so sadly the two things at once it's like where's all the leadership and quarterlies for the company school holidays and where are we having breaks and then yeah. everything else you know luckily one of the kids has finished school now so there's still not out of school holidays yet but you know it's it's those things first which are we want to make sure yeah, are there our holidays the time with the family yeah time with us and then and business because time to connect with the people in the business where at that top level where it's most important and then yeah, our yeah. day-to-day jobs and the school runs and all of that gets mapped around it uh, but each year, I suppose, it's had a different feel about it, about what's what's the focus and the why behind it as as we've progressed, you know, as we've got older, our kids mm. have got older, our parents have got older, yeah. it's changed. And I yeah. think it's it's so important to actually have some other people outside you to kind of like... Um, I don't know, like keep you in check. I was going to say, it's a check-in, isn't it? It's somebody that, to bounce off and to it's give someone. You, it's mm. someone who will tell you that your shit stinks, right? It, you know, <laughs> sorry for swearing. But, no, you know, no, but, you know, like in, in business, when you own the business and you run the business, there's no one above you telling you how things are. So Jason and I will purposefully put ourselves with other business owners yeah. who, who will just say, no, that's rubbish or no, that's not right. So, you know, yeah. often you want to have those people there. You want to make sure that you trust them and they're 
they're valuable. But it's, yeah. but it's great to have those other people come in and look at your plans in your life and ask you great questions mm-hmm. to either say to yourself, yes, I'm on track, I, I'm fully with this, or actually I haven't thought about that, I should consider it. Understood. And let's touch really quickly um, one of your motivating factors, your and Jason's, um, one of your highest values is family. Um, yeah. And so just for everyone that's um, listening today or watching, uh, when we're looking at bringing new team members on, uh, we like to see what everyone's values are. We want to make sure values align. Um, and it's always great, you know, to see people's values, what's important to you, um, you know, what's something that drives you and that you would make decisions by. Um, and for you guys, part of that is family. Um, for many of the team, it's it's family. And so creating the portfolio, creating wealth for yourselves through businesses has enabled you guys to make some important choices. So um, you touched on elderly family. Yeah. Elderly is such, it sounds funny, doesn't it? Older so, parents, parents, aging parents. Aging parents. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the GFC really wiped out our parents' super in a lot of ways. So where they, yeah. you know, they'd work, you know, Jason's family worked very hard, you know, yeah. dad and Sharon, you know, big jobs in Sydney. It kind of cut their super in half. Wow. Uh, and, there's, you know, a lot of longevity in the family. So they're still going to be living for a while yet and the money's running out. There was not enough money for them to continue to live on. Mm. Um, and, in fact, Dad and, Char- you know, Dad and Sharon, they were, they were out of their, their money, yeah. um, you know, and kind of the choice was coming of, like, you know, the money was tied up in the house but they didn't want to have to keep working as hard as they were and nor should they so what do they do? So we kind of all, you know, bought, bought a farm sort of together so they could, you know, still be looked after, still do a bit of the stuff they wanted to do, mm-hmm. but then have access to their funds without worrying about where to live um, because otherwise, like, then you get in those reverse mortgage situations and all of that stuff and then it's stressful and then all, all that mm-hmm. stuff. So they didn't want to do that. So it was really great. Um, you know, because Dad supported and Sharon supported me as a, a young kid all the time and through uni and, you know, get to go on holidays yeah, and stuff. Awesome. So it's nice to be able to pay that pay that back where they're not having to worry about where they need to go to live, um, you know, and they've got that sort of, you know, security there which gives them peace of mind. Yeah. You know, Jason's mum and dad came down to live with us in the granny flat. They were just going to stay for a year. I think that's like 15 years later. I was going to say that must be... I remember yeah. I first stayed with you guys. That would have been 15 years ago. So mm-hmm. maybe 14 years. It's a long time. It's a long time to age. have mother and father-in-law live with you. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like by the same token, I mean, Jason's mum does all our washing. So I reckon I've done like in the last, you know, let's say we'll call it 14 years, I've probably done like 20 loads of washing and only when she's been on break, which I'm like, there is that alone there's no complaining right you just can't complain about that at all um jason's mum's love language is acts of service so i know she's she's amazing at doing that um she's you know been around to help with the kids jason's dad would come and look after the yard while we were working um but they were in the granny flat 
Um, and, you know, that was great. They went here. Now, Jason's dad's not very well now and he's, he's elderly um, and not physically very well, but we've been able to make sure he's got the wheelchairs and the support and, the you know, the physio and all of those things till it got to the point where Jason's mum physically herself couldn't care for him as much as she wanted you on a day-to-day, mm. but we still can afford to have him, you know, in the care yeah. that's literally five Always minutes down the road. Mm. And, you know, we don't have to send him somewhere else. He can come back on the weekends. We can get the cab to pick him up. We can hire all the equipment that we need for him to be home on the weekend with us. And then he can go back and have some care and Jason's mum can have a rest. It's allowed us to have those choices. Um, You know, and I think another thing for us, you know, we've our youngest, as you know, is on the spectrum and he's got, um, Mm. well, old school high functioning Asperger's and ADHD, but it's ASD and ADHD to have the flexibility to, you know, work in and around Jake in our job, but also the choice of school to have him not in school, however many Mm. hours in school, have a tutor come and help him because that's what supports him. You know, I mean, and Jason and I were discussing the other day and saying parents who've got kids like Jake, like we just say, how do they do it? You know, I I was at the checkout just on the weekend. Mm. Yeah, on a basic wage. And there was a mum and dad. They had two little kids in the spectrum. They were at the checkout on a Sunday afternoon. They looked frazzled. The kids were grabbing stuff and they were like, don't touch, don't touch. And I just said, just chill out. I've got ones like this. It's not bothering me. So I just started chatting Minecraft and Roblox and all the stuff they were interested in because I had their special interests. So I was good at that. The mum and dad's like, oh, it's been a really big shock. You know, how we're just get trying to get through it. And I and I think that it's always those things that's the unexpected stuff, the elderly parents getting sicker mm. before you know it, kids who may have some challenges, you know, other people yeah. having breast cancer and all of that stuff. To me, that's the reason that you want to have, you know, other wealth other than your job from yeah. your properties and things like that. Choices. Because because you then get to choose, mm. you know, you're not then stuck with no choice yeah Yeah, no absolutely and so if we were to ask you that classic podcast question oh yeah so (laughs) so to wrap up today if we were to go back in time and you were to be able to talk to a young Shay Witten Oh, well, she would have been Shay, what was your maiden Matthews, name? Matthews, Shay Matthews. Matthews, so you would have been yeah. Shay. Oh, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. <laughs> Learned something. Uh, so you were going to go and talk to Shay Matthews. Um, what would be the piece of advice you would give her around investing, around wealth creation, around business, around love, marriage? Oof. I think I'd say you don't know what you don't know. Mm, very wise. Uh, be open to anything that comes your way Hmm. stick to your I do need to have some data and clarity on that before I want to make a choice (laughs) and trust your gut instincts Hey, thanks for listening to Property Investor Tales. Remember to subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode drops. 
As you can guess, I love hearing people's property investor tales. So if you'd like to share yours, then please get in touch with me via email at propertyinvestortales at positivementor.com.au. We would also love your feedback and I would appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember, you can watch all of these podcasts over on YouTube at Positive Mentor or at positivementor.com.au. Until then, take care, happy investing and bye for now.